This is MMA Torch editor Jamie Pennick, and I am joined once again by Torch columnist Jason Bent and Matt Pelkey for a look at Saturday's UFC 98 card. Guys, we've got uh, another five-fight main card with uh, the light heavyweight championship on the line in the main event with Rashad Evans defending against Lyoto Machida. Um, a lot of action on this card. I think if we um, can avoid a couple, uh, a night full of unanimous decisions, we'll have uh, some quick action on the undercard to see on this uh, on this show. Um, first off, outside of the main event, what are you guys most looking forward to on this card? Um, you know, I'm even going to skip past outside of Hughes and Sarah. What what's one of the undercard fights or uh, lower main card fights that you're you're looking forward to the most? Jason, let's start with you. Actually, the the main one I'd be looking for outside of the main event and Hughes Sarah would probably be Shirk and Edgar. I'm mainly I'm curious to see what Shirk will do in this matchup. If we're going to see the same Sean Shirk that we saw against Tyson Griffin, or if we're going to see him revert to his old ways, I think that's a very exciting fight. Um, as far as the preliminary fights right now, Brock Larson, Chris Wilson. Uh, I want to see Brock, and I'm really really curious to see how Chris Wilson is going to fight following that home invasion. So I've got to go with Shirk Edgar for my must-see, and Wilson versus Larson for one that's just, the curiosity factor is just way high for that one. Matt, same same thing to you. On the, on the main card, I think despite being easily the, the weakest fight as, as far as name value goes, uh, Drew McFedries against Xavier Pupapokum is going to be just a, a brawl. I mean, not a not a brawl, a technical brawl, because uh, uh, Professor X, as I'm just going to refer to him as for, from here on out, you know, he's got some some slick kickboxing, uh, and, and McFedries is just going to throw heavy hands until somebody falls. So I think that'll be a, a nice nice uh, uh, fight on the on the early card to get a nice uh, highlight real knockout for somebody. And on the undercard, uh, I got to go with Pat Barry and, and Tim Haig. Uh, we we all are excited to see what Pat Berry can do, even though he's a, a tiny, you know, Rashad Evans on season two of the Ultimate Fighter size heavyweight. Um, but after his debut, we all want to see more, and he's going to be facing another guy that's, you know, six inches taller than him and 40 pounds heavier than him, and, and Tim Haig, who's going to come out and, and throw hands too. So I hope that one, uh, you know, ends after a, a good, solid round of action, because that's probably going to be our, our only chance to see it on, on the telecast. But those are the the two that kind of stand out to me that aren't aren't the obvious ones. Yeah, uh, Jason, I'm with you on Brock Larson. I mean, I've got the the Minnesota connection. I mean, the Minnesota Martial Arts Academy is literally 15 minutes from my house, so uh, I, I'm always supportive of those guys. And uh, I think I think Brock is one of the most underrated welterweights in the game, uh, from the fact that he, I mean, was the other big fish in the small pond in the WEC um, when he lost to, to Carlos Condit. And I, I don't think the fight would have, the, the rematch would have gone the same way when they were supposed to meet up um, this April before getting pulled into the UFC. So I, I'm really hoping that fight makes the main card because uh, I, I do want to see what Brock can do on the bigger stage. Um, again, I mean, his only other, before coming back to the UFC, his only other UFC fight was a loss to John Fitch, which, outside of GSP, that was everyone on the roster. So um, uh, that fight for me, and, and like I said, to see the the intrigue factor for Chris Wilson and how he responds after what happened to him and his family last week, 
Um, I, I mean, that that's, that's going to be a very interesting storyline on uh, how that plays out. Matt, I'm with Pat Barry and Tim Hag. I, I, I said, to the, said this to you off air, but um, I'm very surprised by the betting line on this uh, with how much uh, height he's giving up and how much weight he's giving up. And, and Hag's no slouch. I mean, he's, he's a bit one-dimensional. He's a, he's a knockout guy. But he's also the, I mean, he's making his debut as the king of the cage heavyweight champion. I mean, he, that, he, that's what he is right now. His, um, his one loss was a split decision loss, and he stopped seven of his fights by TKO or submission. He's not a tomato can like Dan Evanson coming into this fight. So um, I, I think that's where the upset might be coming. Um, although those kicks of Pat Berry are absolutely nasty. And he could very well do the same thing to Tim Hag that he did uh, to Danny uh, Evanson. I just don't think that's going to happen. We'll move on to the main card. Um, we already touched on Drew McFedries and Professor X a little bit, but uh, we've got McFedries coming into this off of two losses. Um, he's got three losses in his past four fights. He's been a very up-and-down fighter in his UFC career. Uh, Professor X lost his... Octagon debut to Dennis Kang at UFC 97 last month, and he's turning right around and fighting again this month. Um, this is one where Professor X needs to look more impressive than he did in his last last bout. McFedries needs needs a win. He's in desperate need of a win. And uh, Matt, like you said, they're going to be throwing till someone goes down. I think McFedries uh, gets back on the winning track in this one. I'm going to take him with a first-round TKO. Uh, Jason, how do you see this fight going? I see it identically. Uh, McFedries by first round TKO. I think this is going to be a very exciting fight to watch. Uh, McFedries and Professor X are, you know, he's got a willing dance partner as far as somebody that's going to stand up and trade. I just think McFedries is going to be able to set up his power shots easily with, with a superior jab. As long as he avoids the clinch, I just don't see any problems for him. There's no way Professor X is going to be able to take him down. As long as McFedries finds a way to land the heavy shots, and I believe he will rather quickly, I see this one ending by, you know, say around the three-minute mark or so. And I think this is going to be a good showing for McFedries, and uh, it should be a fun little brawl, you know, to see on the on the main card. And it'll give McFedries the chance to notch a win over a relatively solid opponent, but nothing spectacular. I think McFedries should score a pretty solid TKO. I don't know if it'll be a highlight reel variety, but the likeliness of that is there. I've got McFedries easily, though. And again, you know, it's going to be a fun little tilt to watch, you know, as long as it lasts. Matt, you touched on this one already, but expand a little bit more on uh, what you think is going to happen in this bout. Well, I'm on the opposite side of the coin from you guys. Uh, I'm also thrilled that I'm not the only person that's uh, resorted to calling him Professor X. Um, <laughs> that's, that's caught on. Uh, yeah. Um, I think uh, I think Professor X is 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 the better striker. Um, I, I've heard, you know, you know what you're getting with Drew McFedries. He's he's gonna he's basically gonna bull rush you and he's gonna he's gonna throw his hands until somebody drops. I mean he's he's I think four and four in the UFC and all eight fights have ended in the first round one way or another. So uh, I've heard people say Professor X needs to to take him down and and use his slightly better ground game because uh, McFedries is a fish out of water on his back. But I think after being, you know, controlled for three rounds by Dennis Kang in his debut, he's going to want to stand up and sh show what he can do. And 
I think he's just going to be slicker and crisper. And uh, and McFedry's as hard as he throws. I've never really felt he has an iron chin. So I think they'll trade for for a while, but Fester X will consistently land the better shots and uh, put him down in the, in the first round. The thing with with McFedry's is, yeah, he's gone four and four in the UFC, but you also have to look at who he's faced. I mean, the last two. Uh, two of the guys that have beat him in the UFC are the last two guys to challenge Anderson Silva. Uh, granted, they haven't shown much once they've gotten there, but there was a reason they were put into that spot. I mean, they did work their way up the ladder, and McFredries was just unfortunately on the wrong side of their climb up. Um, but I, I don't know that uh, Professor X can really be put into the same power spot as some of the guys that McFedries has has faced, and uh, at same time, uh, I definitely see this one going either way because McFedries has been dropped multiple times. So, really, this is one of those fights where it's kind of a coin flip. Um, we'll see what happens once they start swinging. Uh, we move on to Sean Shirk against Frankie Edgar. Shirk, another uh, Minnesota Martial Arts Academy guy. Um, Frankie Edgar, you know, 9-1, and one, his only loss coming to Gray Maynard. This is a very intriguing fight, one that has all the makings of a three-round battle to the judges' scorecards. Um, you know, I think this one looks a lot like, this one ends up looking a lot like what happened when both of them fought Tyson Griffin. Um, I, I think Shirk definitely could resort back to using his wrestling and his size and strength to get this one to the ground and kind of keep Edgar there the same way Maynard did. But at the same time, Shirk's not the type of fighter these days that wants to do that. Um, that's that's the strategy he probably should have employed against BJ Penn, and instead he wanted to try to strike with him. The thing is, Frankie Edgar's not uh, a BJ Penn in the striking category. I think pretty much everything Frankie Edgar does well, Sean Shirk might do a little bit better, and in some cases a lot better. Um, I see Shirk taking the unanimous decision victory, but I think this one's going to be a, a blast to watch. Matt, your take on this uh, second bout of the night? I think it'll be exciting to watch, but I honestly think it's going to be a little one-sided. Um, I think it's going to resemble um, kind of like when Nate Marquardt fought Martin Campman. You know, coming in, I was a big Martin Campman fan, and I, I really thought he was going to take that fight, and that was basically a who's going to jump up into the top level of contenders, and Nate Marquardt just proved to be a oh, just a bigger, stronger fighter, and that was the difference in the fight. And I think here, you know, it's it's intriguing. Frankie Edgar's a, a good wrestler. I mean, they're very similar fighters. It's just Sean Shirk is going to be a lot bigger and stronger in this fight. Um, Shirk has fought at 170 before, and Edgar probably should be fighting at 145. So uh, there's going to be a 10, 15 pound, pound difference, and, and, and we've seen what size can do. Uh, you know, GSP against BJ Penn, I, I think. Shirk's not a finisher, and, uh, and Edgar's not easy to finish. Uh, I mean, he hasn't been finished, so I don't think we'll see a finish, but I think everywhere it goes, um, it will be dictated by Sean Shirk, and everywhere it goes will be won by Sean Shirk. So I think it's going to be a a fun-to-watch fight, but a a lopsided decision. Jason, you touched on this one as one of your fights to watch on here. Uh, Anything further to add, and uh, how how does this one end for you? Uh, It ends by Sean Shirk winning a unanimous decision. But I think this one is going to be a sprint. I think Frankie Edgar has got a lot to prove. And against a guy like Shirk, he has the chance to do so. Uh, you know, this fight for Shirk, uh, you know, I predict Florian to beat Penn for the belt. That's what I see happening. 
if Shirk wins this bout, convincingly so, which I believe he will, I think then that position Shirk for a shot at Florian for the title, barring an immediate rematch between Florian and Penn. I think Shirk has a lot to prove now, you know, following, you know, his positive test for steroid suspension, what have you from there. I think he's changed into a new fighter, and at his age, that's just remarkable. I think Shirk is just a notch above or three notches above Edgar in a lot of categories. So, uh, you know, on paper, I, I would say Shirk is going to completely dominate him. But I don't think it's going to be that complete. I think Edgar is going to have enough to prove, and he's just such a scrappy guy with such a high motor. I think he's going to be able to match Shirk, at least in terms of energy for this fight. And that's why I see this one being just a straight wrestling match, but not a boring one. It is going to be a sprint, and I think it'll be exciting for those who like the grappling. However, Shirk wins this by unanimous decision and firmly positions himself as fighter 1A, 1B in this weight class. If anything, he is the gatekeeper to the elite, to the very elite, because Shirk is as good as they come, save for BJ Penn, you know, possibly Florian at this point. But Shirk has still got a lot of fight left in him, and I look for him to take this one by unanimous decision. I think it's going to be a, a fun grappling match to watch. Pretty good fight. Uh, both of them such high-motor guys, so it's going to be a blast. I'm very much looking forward to this one. Yeah, I think we're all on the same page here when when it comes to Sean Shirk. And, um, you know, right now, uh, three months out from the BJ Penn-Kenny Florian fight, uh, I, I'm with you that I think Kenny Florian wins that fight right now. Uh, BJ Penn has let himself get far too distracted by the whole grease gate ordeal, uh, so much so that he is still trying to exhaust all avenues possible and still concentrating time and energy on that. Um, I think he's going to be overlooking Kenny Florian and uh, thinking once again that he's at a much higher level than his opponent. And uh, Kenny Florian is very clearly a much different fighter than he was when he took Sean Shirk five rounds for the lightweight title uh, in 2006. So this is uh, a summer that's going to set up a lot of things, a summer of great fights. And, uh, you know, Sean Shirk, like you said, is going to look to set himself up as the next guy in line. And, uh, uh, Jason, you put it the best there when Sean is, the gatekeeper to the elite in the lightweight division. Because um, I think there's an argument to be made that Shirk might be one of the best fighters that's not a finisher in any weight class. The best, One of the best fighters that doesn't finish his opponents. He's just very good at a lot of the things that he does and uh, always puts on an exciting performance even when um, there's no finishes in it. So um, at least when we, we're getting a decision, it's not going to be um, Anderson Silva uh, putzing around Talis Lightus for five rounds. So we'll move on to the next fight on the card. Dan Miller against Chael Sonnen. Um, you know what? Miller has lost one fight in his career. It was his third professional fight. He hasn't lost since then. Nine victories with one no contest since 2006. Uh, he just submitted Jake Rochalt in February. Rochalt definitely a very green MMA fighter, but he himself is a two-time NCAA wrestling champion, and uh, Miller is one of the um, definitely bright, shining young stars in the middleweight division. Uh, I just I see him being able to put together a submission against Sonnen very easily. Sonnen, most of his losses have come by submission. 
He has not been impressive in his last couple of fights. Uh, the the fight with uh, Paulo Filio in WEC, we've, uh, that infamous fight, I mean, we all know how bad that was. Um, he got entirely outclassed by Demi and Maya, but then so does pretty much everyone who faces Demi and Maya. So um, it's hard to judge him on those couple of fights, but I just think Miller is going to be too good for him uh, in the submission game and we'll be able to finish him here in the first round. Jason, where are you at on this fight? I think Dan Miller is superior in every single aspect of the game to Chael Sonnen, just just completely. I think in beating Rochelle, uh, obviously Jake was very, very raw, but Jake is strong. And, you know, he made some mistakes there. But I think Miller is just completely superior across the board. I've got him winning by second-round submission. Uh, Sonnen hasn't shown me much, if anything, in a very, very long time. Again, I've got a really sour taste in my mouth ever since that abysmal fight, if you can even call it a fight with Filio. I mean, I've seen you know shoving matches between elementary school kids that have much more power and motivation behind them than, than that bout. But I just think Sonnen's time in the UFC is going to be very, very short, and that's because he's faced the best. He's faced guys that are that much better than him, and I think Miller's going to continue that trend. He, he's just too good. I mean, the upset could happen, and if it does, then Sonnen earns a stripe in my book. But for right now, I look for this one to be a relatively easy one for Dan Miller, and the only reason I'm giving it until the second round is because I figure Sonnen should at least be wily enough to get through the first and strong enough to do so. But in the second round, it's going to be all over for him, and this is going to be another win for Miller, and it should be one in which he looks great once again. He's a fighter to be reckoned with, and I think a name like Sonnen, even though it's not much of a name, is another good one to tackle into his record, and he moves on from here to bigger and better things, and Sonnen probably moves out of the UFC. If not now, then you know maybe another fight, if that. I don't see him lasting long in the UFC, and I don't see him lasting long in this fight on Saturday. Matt, do you see anything different happening here with Dan Miller and Chell Sonnen? Uh, no, I certainly do not. Uh, and I'd like to give a quick kudos to Joe Silva because he managed to find the the one other fighter in the UFC that can replicate the uh, sheer boredom that Yushin Okami brings to uh, a fight with uh, Chael Sonnen. So <laughs> nice, nice job there. We're going to get to see the same fight we would have saw. We would have we would have seen anyway. Um, I, I don't really understand why. Chael Sonnen is on the main card of Xavier again. I mean, let's look at his last three fights. He he got schooled quickly by Damian Maya. Um, he won that horrible decision against Palafilio. And then the fight before that, actually, I think he had one in between there. Before that, the first Filio fight, um, you know, he was winning that fight, but he got armbarred. And I still think that was the same troubled Paulo Filio that we saw in this, in their second fight. I mean, Paulo Filio, when he's on his game, doesn't lose rounds to, to Chael Sonnen. It just wouldn't happen. So I, I don't really know why he's still around. I guess they gave him a a, a shot because of that, the, the name on his in, on his win, in the win column uh, of Paulo Filio. But, you know, he hasn't done anything to, to prove himself to be uh, a, a UFC fighter, much less... Um, you know, a fighter on the main card of a, a big pay-per-view like this. I think Dan Miller uh, will still be giving up a slight disadvantage in wrestling like he was against Jake Rochalt, but uh, uh, Chelsea 
makes those kind of mistakes, and he always has, and that's always been his downfall. And I, I think he's going to charge in head first at some point in the first round and get guillotined, just like uh, happened last time. So um, that's how I see the, the fight going. I, I think it's going to be another disappointing performance for Chael Sonnen, and he's going to be out of the UFC after this. And uh, Dan Miller takes another step up the ladder, and, and the, the Miller boys are, are working their way up slowly but surely, but they're uh, an exciting duo to watch. We go to the co-main event of the evening, uh, the grudge match that is finally coming to fruition after two years of build-up. Matt Hughes and Matt Sarah are finally squaring off. This is nowhere near at the level it would have been had they been fighting for the welterweight title after their stint on the Ultimate Fighter together as coaches. Um, but at the same time, this is still one of those fights where Despite the size disadvantage, despite the fact that Hughes was a dominant, dominant champion, and despite the fact that on paper he really should destroy Matt Sarah, on paper he should destroy Matt Sarah, this is one that's going to be an extremely exciting back and forth fight for the simple fact that both guys have such bad blood against each other and both are extremely hard working fighters. Um, Matt Hughes very well could take this to the ground and just basically have his way with Matt Sarah in the ground and pound and um, the, just the strength and size disparity is going to be that great for Matt Hughes. But at the same time, Sarah is Sarah's a freaking pit bull that is very amped up for this fight. And when he's the underdog and when he's counted out, you know what, he's ready to prove it even more. And when it comes to Matt Hughes, I don't know if there's a single person on the planet that uh, hates Matt Hughes more than Matt Sarah. So I think this is going to be a blast to watch. I'm extremely excited for this fight. This is one of the reasons this car, this pay-per-view fell really well with the way the UFC has been running is because of this grudge match aspect. They're going to get more casual fans in because of the grudge match aspect. Um, I mean, this is the fight that's getting mentioned on ESPN. Jim Rome was talking about this fight the other day. Um, it, this is this is just one of those fights where the bad blood and the hatred between the two guys is what sells this fight. Even if it turns into a blowout, so be it. I just don't think that's going to happen because I don't think Sarah's going to let himself um, get destroyed like that. But I think this is one where Hughes definitely outpoints him through the three rounds. It's going to be Hughes' fight to lose. And I think he takes this one by decision. Uh, Matt, where are you at on uh, the Battle of the Mats? I really hope you're right that, that it, we do get a good, exciting fight. Uh, I, there's not a doubt in my mind that Matt Sarah wants this with all his heart, and he's going to bring everything he has on Sunday or uh, Saturday. But I just don't see him winning this fight. Um, he's just not strong enough to handle Matt Hughes. Matt Hughes is just a bad matchup for him. He's going to put him on his back and. And Sarah has, you know, good jiu-jitsu, but uh, not necessarily off his back against a bigger, stronger guy. Uh, he's, he's better scrambling and, and getting to more advantageous positions. And I just think Matt Hughes is going to be have been training for, you know, however many months just to come put Matt Sarah on his back for three rounds and, and bully him around. Um, I think that's uh, – I think he wants to, to dominate him and, and not let him have any offense. So he's going to take away his chances from the beginning. He's, he's not going to want to stand up and trade with Matt there. That's where he loses this fight. So uh, I, I just think it's Matt Hughes' fight to win. It's, it's his fight to control. 
Um, so as much as I hate to say it, unless he comes in with a bad game plan, I, I just think it's going to be a uh, relatively boring, especially for the grudge match factor, uh, three-round decision for Matt Hughes. Jason, where are you at on this one? I mean, once upon a time, this was a fight that would have sold the show by being the main event, and now it is still selling the show by being the co-main event for the casual fans because, again, if I had told you a year ago or so, Evans versus Machida is a main event, you wouldn't have believed me. Uh, I think Hughes versus Sarah has always been a fight that would be an Ortiz versus Shamrock in that you've got the great grudge match, but the guy talking the most trash, the guy with the most hatred, is the one getting smashed. The difference now is I think it is actually a better fight now that it's been so long just due to the fact that Hughes' skills have eroded just naturally. I just don't think he's ever going to revisit much of his prime, even for a glimpse. However, he's still one of the best when it comes to what he does with his game plan of wrestling, big slams, the ground and pound. I, I think Matt Hughes at 45 would be too much for a prime Sarah, but Sarah's a scrappy guy. He's the pit bull. I kind of liken him more to a cockroach because he, everybody just wants to get away from him, and, and, but it's hard as hell to kill him. It just is. Uh, unless Hughes comes into this one, out of shape, which I don't think that'll happen physically, but mentally, I see this one being a second-round TKO for Matt Hughes. I think the grudge match nature of it is going to make it a lot of fun. I mean, the hype leading up to it, uh, the fact that it's actually happening is as much of a shock as Evans versus Machida in the main event. I've been excited for this fight for so long because of that grudge match nature, but actually it would have been a, a stomping by Hughes had it happened before. Now it's going to be just a little bit more competitive. However, you've got Sarah's back problems and his age as well that are not going to bode him too well in this fight. You know, unless Hughes comes in and makes some of the biggest mistakes of his career, you know, and does something like, you know, what he did against Dennis Hallman twice, there is no way Matt Sarah should win this fight. There's ways that he could, but not against Matt Hughes at any age, at any rate. And, you know, Sarah's triply pumped for this fight. You know, Hughes isn't going to let on, but there is no way Hughes wants to lose even a minute of this fight. He's way too competitive, and he wants to put the stamp on him because, you know, he doesn't speak, but he wants to shut him down physically, shut him up, and have him be dragged out of the octagon. So this is going to be a fun blast. Hughes by mid-second round TKO, and for one moment, Matt Hughes is going to look as dominant as great as he ever did. And if this is, in fact, his final fight, you know, it's going to be a great one to watch, nice highlight for him, and a good way for him to walk away before going into the UFC Hall of Fame. That was going to be my follow-up question here, guys. What what do you think happens for Matt Hughes, win, lose, uh, whatever happens here? Does he move up to middleweight? Does he keep trying to fight? Or is this his last fight? Jason? I say... He moves up to middleweight. And what I think will happen, Anderson Silva needs something. He needs something desperately right now. And I really think putting Matt Hughes up there, Hughes against Silva, is interesting. It's not a great fight by any stretch of the imagination because Hughes is obviously getting older. And Silva at this point, while not getting more entertaining, He's still the best there is. It's just the fact he's been bored by his competition. 
I think a Hughes versus Silva fight does a lot of buys. It gives Silva the rub of going against a name such as Hughes. And I think in some respect, Matt Hughes will play the Hoist Gracie role, just like Gracie fell to Hughes, which suddenly bumped up his Q factor and made him more of a mainstream celebrity. I think Matt Hughes, by proxy, can do the same thing for Anderson Silva. I don't think that's the best thing for him to do, but there's a good chunk of change in that. Matt Hughes likes the challenge, so he'd certainly be up for it, and I really do think that is the way he's going to go out for his career. Matt, what do you think is going to happen with Hughes after this fight? Um, I think it depends on how the fight goes. Um, if if he gets dominated by Matt Serra, which I think we can all agree is unlikely, um, I think he would retire. I, I think if he gets submitted but feels like he was doing well, he'll at least want one more fight because he'll want to go out a winner. And, and if he and if he goes out and is dominant and feels good and feels like he has something left, then I think he'll go up to middleweight. And, and I think there's probably a, 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 some good money matchups for him up there. Anderson Silva, I'm not so sure about. I think he would get. I, I think that it would be, uh, you know, cruelty. But uh, it, it's kind of funny that we think of Matt Hughes as kind of being this this old guy who's who's you know on his last legs as a fighter and. I think he's maybe a year older than Anderson Silva, and Anderson Silva still seems like he's in his prime to us. But you know that just goes to show you what having a lot of you know tread on your tires does to a fighter. Matt, Matt Hughes has fought you know over 50 times in his career, and that's a lot of times for anybody to fight, especially for a guy who's been facing unbelievably tough competition for the last seven or eight years. Um, but I don't think this will be his last fight. If it is, if it is, you know. Uh, He's had a great career, and uh, I'm happy for the guy, even though I don't particularly care for him. But I, I don't think we'll have seen the last of, of Matt Hughes on Saturday. It's definitely going to be an interesting storyline to follow uh, after the fight, and uh, definitely through the fight to see just what he's got left. I mean, after the the loss to to Els last summer, um, and, and the lengthy time off with the injuries and the recovery, and getting back to this fight and having it pushed back a little further because Sarah wanted, because Sarah just had a kid and all that stuff. Um, it'll be interesting to see how all of that has taken a toll on Hughes and, uh, or if it has taken a toll on Hughes and, and, and see what happens in this fight. We move on to our main event of the evening. Uh, Jason, like you said, a fight that a year ago, if we said this was headlining uh, a pay-per-view for a, the light heavyweight title, I don't think anyone would have believed it, but here we are. Rashad Evans and Leota Machida are facing off for the light heavyweight championship. This is just a great tactical fight. This is, I mean, you've got Rashad and Greg Jackson's camp who are so good with game plans, and you've got Leota Machida who is just simply one of the best tactical MMA fighters who is able to do what he wants to do in a fight in almost every fight. Um, I mean, it, it can't be said enough that the man has not lost a round. He has not lost a round in the UFC. And this is just, this has all the makings of what some people think may be a boring fight, but I think it's going to be them at different times in this fight pushing each other. The way I see this going down, the way that it's been playing in my head for the last week and a half, uh, the the way that I am going with it, I think Leota Machida wins the first three rounds 
if Rashad does not do something in those three rounds to, to, to win one of them, to take a point away, to do something, um, or stop the fight in those rounds, he's going to have to get off of his game plan, which they've talked about wanting to make Machida um, come forward with this and, and make Machida make the first move on here. Evans going to have to do something in the last in the championship rounds, and I think for the first time he's he may make a mistake. Machida's the guy that can capitalize on it. Evans has a great chin; he can take a punch. Machida's not the guy to knock him out, but I think Machida is the guy that can catch him in a late submission after something happens when he's pushing forward. The way I see this, I see Machida taking a late, late fifth-round submission to score the win and be the new light heavyweight champion. Matt, tell me why I'm wrong. Um, I don't think you're wrong about the uh, the winner. I agree with you there. I don't think he'll be able to finish Rashad all the way through, but I, I just don't think Rashad is going to be the guy to you know, solve the riddle that is Leoto Machida. He, he's he's going to try, and he's going to get frustrated that he can't do it. I mean, Machida's going to do to Rashad what he does to everybody. And when Rashad gets frustrated, that's when he he plays into Machida's hands and will start attacking, and Machida can lay on more punishment. Um, and I, I don't think he's – I think he's incorrect to think that if, if he gets Machida to come forward that – that he's going to win the fight because I think Machida is, is also very good at picking his spots of coming in and throwing one, one, two quick shots and getting out of the way before somebody can counter. He's just as good at that as, as he is when somebody attacks him and he, and he hits the counter punch and is gone before he can get hit. Um, I think he'll do that for, for three rounds and basically have it sewn up barring getting stopped. And then Rashad will, uh, keep pressing in the later rounds and he'll be gassed and, and won't have the energy to to stop Machida in the later rounds and Machida will end up coasting in the, in the championship rounds to a, a harder and I think it's I think it's going to be a fun fight for, for fight purists. Uh, maybe not the most, you know, they're not going to stand in the pocket and throw 30 punches in a row at each other, but it's going to be fun to watch from a tactical standpoint and it's going to be fun to watch uh, one of the best fighters in the world finally get his due uh, and be crowned the light heavyweight champ. Yeah, I just think it's a fascinating fight from all aspects. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that this fight really could go, but I definitely am with you that I think Machida is going to be able to do what he always does, and I I don't think Rashad's the guy, uh, like you said, to solve the riddle that is Lyoto Machida. Jason, where are you at on the main event? This fight, to me, is going to go the distance. Uh, my pick is Machida by split decision. And, and the reason for that is going to come down to perception as far as the judges with their effective aggression and octagon control. I look for Machida to win the first two, three rounds with ease and fluster Evans. Problem is Evans is going to know he's down. And he's going to have to turn up the notch. And he's going to have to put the heat on. And I believe it will look like he's stalking Machida, and it might even look like Machida's backing away, running away from a fight, resorting to the boring techniques that you know he's been chided for doing. And I just believe that the judges are going to score him some rounds based on just doing nothing other than looking like he's doing a lot. And that's why I'm going with a split decision. I think this really is a perfect fight. The problem is it's not the perfectly marketable fight. 
Evans is a completely polarizing personality. More people hate him than love him. And you've got Machida, who he's an enigma. I mean, he could walk through a mall anywhere and, and not be noticed at all by anyone, even quite a few fans that are familiar with his name and know him when they see him in the octagon. But he's just a very unassuming guy. I think uh, he possesses everything it takes to beat Evans. And I think for once, Evans is going to be facing somebody who can actually fluster him. I'm interested in seeing how Rashad Evans responds to that because Machida is not going to stand in the pocket and he's not going to give him a chance to jack, you know, a big counter shot, you know, such as he did against Liddell. Those things are not going to happen. Evans has suddenly turned himself into a guy who can finish, but there's no way I see him finishing Lyoto Machida. Machida's way too cerebral of a fighter, and I think he's going to win this one with beautiful dominance However, the rounds are going to be skewed on the scorecards. I think all three judges, you know, are going to have everything all over the, across the board different ways just because of what they're watching, what they're judging on. And this is where I have a problem with the judges because there really are no uniform, steadfast rules for scoring these rounds, and too much is given to the guy who's perceived to be stalking and looks like he's doing more or even more damage or just a matter of fact that he's going to throw more power shots. That's not Machida's game. And nobody's going to be getting that if, if they're expecting it. However, this really is a perfect chess match of a bout. And you don't even have to like chess matches because th those are boring. This one will not be boring. This is technically sound. It is one for the purists, but I believe these two guys are so good. The casual fan is not going to be able to help getting sucked into this bout. And, and I think Evans will come out of this fight with some more fans. I really think the way he's going to fight will have people, you know, a little bit of sympathy for losing the belt. There's going to be some, and I think he's going to be so aggressive to get these rounds back knowing he's down that some people are going to turn the corner with him, whereas this is the prime time for Machida to win, win the belt. And at that point, you can't stop him from fighting anybody because he is the champ. You can't shut him out. He can't freeze the ball. This is his one shot, and he's got to make it count. I believe he will. Machida is the new light heavyweight champion by split decision, but it will not be split on my scorecard at all. I see this one unanimous from my side, but I just look for the judges to be all over the board, give Rashad Evans rounds he really doesn't deserve, and Machida is going to frustrate him, bluster him, dominate him, en route to winning the belt and setting up a fight with uh, you know Rampage Jackson down the line. I think you hit on an, on an X factor in this in this fight when he said um, when you're talking about Machida, this being his one shot, because when you think about it, that is the case. I mean, it was, it, it, it took an injury to rampage Jackson and a little luck to get him into this spot. Despite the fact that he's 14 and 0, despite the fact that he's done nothing but win, despite the fact that he finished off Tiago Silva in spectacular fashion uh, at UFC 94, it still didn't solidify his number one contender spot. And this that's the X factor that is going to win him this fight. He knows this may be his only shot because a loss to Rashad Evans puts him as a gatekeeper in the light heavyweight division, even if he keeps winning. I mean, it, it the way his style is, it, it'll take a long time for the UFC to put him back in a title uh, a title shot if he loses this fight. 
for Rashad, I don't think it'll be as hard to get back up to it because he's shown that he can finish people. He's shown to be an exciting fighter. Um, they're more apt to market a rematch should he lose. Should Machida lose? It's not the case. That wouldn't happen. Uh, I think that's one of the main reasons Machida will come in this fight to win, and I think he will. Um, guys, any last uh, thoughts on Saturday's show before we uh, uh, wrap this thing up here? Uh, Matt, start with you. Uh, I, I, I was thinking that as we were talking about, you know, what, what's Matt Hughes going to do next after this fight, that we kind of glossed over the fact, uh, the question of what's Matt Sarah going to do after this fight. Um, you know, he won season four of The Ultimate Fighter, seems like, years ago. And since then, he shocked the world out of nowhere to beat George St. Pierre. Then in his next fight, much later, got dominated by George St. Pierre. And then now he's fighting Matt Hughes much later again. So um, I wouldn't honestly be that surprised if he loses this fight to Matt Hughes. If he says, hey, this is it for me too, guys. I'm going to go back and you know teach at my school and, and sit on my pile of cash I've made in the last three years by being in these big fights. Um, so I, I think that gets overlooked as one of the, you know, the, the footnotes, the strange footnotes in UFC history could be fighting his last fight on uh, Saturday as well. And, uh, I also think that we've all doomed Leona Machida to be knocked out cold in the first round after all our predictions because uh, that's just the way these things go. And, you know, wouldn't it be a crazy shock if we saw him laying out cold face down on the mat? And so that's probably what we're going to end up seeing. <laughs> well, I think it's uh, that, that's one of those where we talk about how tactical it could be. And, who I mean, Machida has talked himself in uh, the last couple of weeks about knowing that he needs to be more entertaining or being an entertaining fighter is part of the game. So who knows? Maybe uh, he shows us something that we haven't seen yet. Um, he certainly he certainly shocked the hell out of everyone in that fight with Tiago Silva because he took a guy that can brawl with the best of them and that has hands as hard as they come in the light heavyweight division, and he flustered him and knocked him out cold. Um so, I mean, we, we talk about these things with Leota Machida, but at the same time, he's a, he's a fighter that no one has figured out. So I, I, I wouldn't be entirely surprised to see him knock Rashad Evans out, to be honest with you. Uh, if it happens, it'll be shocking, but at the same time, we'll just be like, well, Machida can just do anything. Uh, Jason, any final thoughts on this uh, card? I think this really is a great card in that it's kind of like if a Vegas casino buffet were really, really good because there is going to be something delicious on here for everybody. And Hughes and Sarah are going to work up a really angry gravy, and Evans Machida is the biscuit to sop it all up. I mean, this is a great one. Uh, the casual fans, uh, for name value, this does not have it for them, but I do believe this is the sort of card that can turn a casual fan into a hardcore fan because of the quality of the matchups and getting a chance to see Machida, where I do believe he's going to show us that he belongs up there on a level with an Anderson Silva. I, I think he's just that good. We have not seen the best of what he can do, but we will in the future. Uh, barring anything on the main card, I want to know what Dave Kaplan is going to do for his entrance. Rumor has it, has it he is going to ring walk to the Weather Girls, It's Raining Men. I want to know. I want to know if that's what he picks. Uh, you know, Diamond Dave, you know, he hasn't fought with a crap so far, 
but his entrances are the best in the business, and I, I wish they would at least take a chance to show that one for us. But you know, UFC 98 is a great card from top to bottom, solid, a main event we never thought would exist. It's here, uh, Hughes versus Sarah to sell the show, the grudge match. It's a beautiful card. We're overlooking it a bit. I think everybody is along the way to UFC 100. But before then, we have 99 with Silver Franklin is solid. And don't sleep on this one. It's a great card from top to bottom. And it should be the crowning of a new light heavyweight champion. And Lyoto Machida will finally move up to that top tier and be spoken of in the same breath as Anderson Silva. Just hopefully he never goes back to becoming the Anderson Silva who fought against you know Patrick Cote and Lytus and you know can, can become a much more exciting fighter, which I think he can. And like you touched on, if Machida can knock out Evans, it will prove he can do everything. But aside from that, he's going to be able to do enough of everything to win, and I'm very much so looking forward to UFC 98. Well, since you brought up UFC 99, I just want to, before we duck out, I just want to get your guys' thoughts quick on the return of Mirko Krokop and Czech Congo stepping in for an ill Heath Herring against Cain Velasquez in a fight that uh, may very well determine who faces the winner of Mir Lesnar. Uh, Jason? Crow cop, crow cop, crow cop. Uh, I love the guy. I mean, who, who doesn't? We, we all know what he can do. Just we, we haven't seen him get the chance to do, yet, do it in the UFC. I think he will. I think Crow Cop has enough left, and he needs to have enough left. I mean, he cannot just be another one of the pride guys who can't cut it over here. I don't think it has anything to do with age. I mean, Gonzaga hit him with, you know, a crushing baseball bat blow. I think Crow Cop rebounds nicely. Uh, Chet Congo is, is next in line. He is next in line for title shots, uh, you know, following Mir Lesnar. I think you can't, you can't keep him from the title picture. And I'm especially excited for Sylvan Franklin. I think Vanderlei is going to shock, shock some people. I think Silva takes that one in an upset over Franklin. And, you know, 99, again, is not one of the stellar marquee type of cards for everyone, but it's a hell of a good card. If UFC 100 weren't so good, if UFC 101 weren't looking so damn spectacular, I think in another time, 99 and 98 would stand up there as just super, super cards. So 99 is going to be better than everyone wants to give credit for, and I think we do get a chance to see Crow Cop finally deliver in the UFC. At least I hope so. I'm biased there, but I really, really hope we get to see the Crow Cop of old at least one more time just to show UFC fans who are not familiar with him Look what this guy can do. I wasn't lying. Check him out. So, yeah, UFC 99 is great. It's a fantastic card. It's just a matter of fact that it happens to be a speed bump on the way to 100, but it's a huge speed bump and one worth stopping for. All right, Matt, send us home with some thoughts on next month's UFC 99. Yeah, obviously we're all excited and, and looking forward to Crow Cop's return. I just fear that uh, instead of seeing the Crow Cop of old, we're just going to see an old Crow Cop. Um, he's he's going to beat Mustafa Al-Turk. Uh, that's, that's a can. Um, just uh, just like his debut fight against Eddie Sanchez, that, that was set up for him to, to look good, and he's going to look good. But once he gets back in the deep waters of the heavyweight division, it's, it's not going to be kind to him. I, I hope I'm wrong, obviously, because he's one of the most exciting fighters we've ever seen. But I, I think it's nothing more than hope at, at this point. Um, and, and as far as 
you know, Heath Herring gets injured and in steps Czech Congo. How, how often does a fight get better when one of the fighters gets injured? Uh, that's, you know, basically an elimination about for the for the heavyweight title after the the title unification at UFC 100, uh, and it gives that card a a legitimate number two fight um, behind Silva and Franklin. And it's a relatively lackluster card on paper, I suppose, just on name value. But I think every single fight on that card is going to be uh, is going to deliver good action. It's going to be, uh, you know, like the last fight for the troops, but on a, a pay-per-view scale. So I'm really looking forward to that card. All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you for joining me once again. We'll have to get together and talk about how wrong our predictions were after Saturday's card. Uh, we will talk to you guys later, and uh, thanks for joining us once again. All right, take thank care. Thank you. Take care.